Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Zdenex English Podcast. And this is part two of the interview I recorded with Gabriel from the Clark and Miller English Podcast. Don't forget, this is a podcast for English learners just like mine. And Gabriel is a fantastic teacher and has a great podcast that reminds me of Luke's English Podcast a little bit. What's going to happen in this episode? Well, there's only one way to find out. Listen to it. But I would also like to tell you that there is a video version available uh, that you can watch. So you can obviously listen or watch. You have a choice. However, I apologize for the quality of the video. It's not ideal because I've been having some issues with my upload. I'm sorry. I haven't fixed it yet and it's been taking for almost one month and it's it's really annoying there's one more thing i would like to tell you um if you happen to be in prague on the 18th of march 2022 supposing you listen to this before that date obviously then um why don't you pop into uh, the sherwood pub or the sherwood i don't know if it's a restaurant but i think it's a pub Uh, which is right next to Hlavní nádraží. Yeah, Hlavní nádraží, it's like the, the, the main Czech railway station. It's in Prague. Why don't you pop in and have, have a beer with me or, I don't know, a tea or whatever. And um, we can have a chat. There will be interesting people from other countries as well, but... We will mostly speak Czech, but possibly English too. It could be a combination of both. And I'll also bring some games. It's a meetup of my other podcast, uh, the Czech one. But I don't mind having some uh, the next English podcast listeners there as well. If you guys are, um, if you guys happen to be around, why don't you pop in? Sherwood. It's the pub is called Sherwood, and it's literally I don't know 200 meters away from. The building of Hlavní nádraží in Prague. Okay. Okay, and one last thing I have to say, of course, is I have to repeat that I stand with Ukraine. I fully support the Ukrainian president, and my heart goes out to Ukrainian people, all those people that have lost their loved ones and. This is something no one expected and it's an absolute tragedy. And I know there are some Russians listening to this. I just want to let you know that if you believe that this is right, if you believe that uh, trying to invade a country, an independent country is justified in any way, then you should be ashamed of yourselves. However, if you are Russians that side with me, that understand what I'm saying, and that understand the, the, the point of view we have here in the West, uh, which I know there are loads of. I know there are loads of Russians like that. I have got some friends. Then don't worry. I'm not going to tar everyone with the same brush. I am not. But this has to really be called out, and this has to be stopped, and we all need to unite against the same enemy. And I know I'm not helping much by saying these things, but... I will say them anyway, because if there's at least one person that I make that person think about this, uh, then I've done my job, I guess. We've got more than 200,000 
200,000 refugees now in the Czech Republic. In my city of Poděbrad, in my town, it's a small town, ladies and gentlemen, we have, I think, at least 200, it could be even more now, at least 200 refugees, it could be 300, and it's it's bound to be more. It's It's an unprecedented situation for my country, and I know it's It's the same in Poland. They have more than one million refugees there. We're trying to help as much as we can, but naturally this is going to mean that we'll have to tighten our belts as well. And this this will um, lead to an economic crisis. The prices of oil, of uh, gas have increased um, significantly. That hasn't happened for like decades so it's an absolute madness right now here in this part of the world and putin is he's a bad guy guys and if you still think that putin's actions can be justified in any way then i can't help you like you're beyond help i'm afraid i hope i don't have any listeners like that and if i do then i can't You know, I can't tell you to stop listening to the podcast, but I'm ashamed that you do listen because this is vi- violation of human rights, We are, what we are talking about here. There is evidence of Russian soldiers attacking the nuclear power plant. There, There is evidence of Russian soldiers killing people, killing innocent children in a children's hospital. There are now videos of Russian soldiers using some forbidden forbidden weapons, some pho- phosphorite or some biological weapons, and it, and Putin is threatening to use even worse things. All I can say is, if you can't see that this person is evil and then has to be stopped and assassinated, I can't help you guys. I really can't. Anyway, it's time to cheer you guys up. Please enjoy this part two of the interview with Gabriel from the Clark and Miller English podcast. Cheers. Beep, 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 beep. Shut up. I'm listening to the next English podcast. You're listening to the next English podcast, a podcast for English learners at B1, B2 and C1 levels. Okay, so you said uh, you are into also into hot takes on language. So could, could you give yeah. us? Cause that's really that sounds really interesting. Hot mm. takes on language. So is it like when you say hot takes, does it mean like the the current trends and um, yeah, something like ah, that? No, no, I don't. Um, I've actually I've actually nicked this word. I've stolen this word off a po- another podcast, a non non English language learning podcast. Uh, My it's probably my favorite podcast is called the Blind Boy Podcast. It's quite popular. It's mm-hmm. a big podcast. Uh, it's an Irish Irish one, and this guy Blind Boy uh, came up with this. I think he came up with this phrase, "hot take." Um, yeah, and it's like a kind of uh, creating a narrative out of different things and bringing them together. And it, it, it's almost like a conspiracy, but it's not. It's just like a, a way of collaging facts and, and giving it a certain perspective. Um, yeah. Shall I go on? Yeah. I, I just, I'll I'm just quite, okay, quite yeah. intrigued to know, to, to know some examples. So, 
So could you give us an example? Right. I don't think I can think of any blind boy examples from the top of my head, but... No, when you say robotics on language, what do you mean by that? Okay, so yeah, let's look at one on language. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, hot take is basically, I, the way I see it is just like an interesting way to look at something, basically, mm -hmm. that's all. Mm -hmm. So um, one of my favorite ESL writers, that's English as a second, well, ELT writers, uh, he, he writes yeah. for English teachers, is um, the late Mike Lewis. You're very familiar with him, right? Because you're really into lexical learning. Mm -hmm. um, shall, I, shall I explain what this stuff is? As I yeah, why not? Yeah, okay. Why not? Yeah. So, in a nutshell, lexical learning is um, not looking so much at language as a system, but mm -hmm. more looking at it as a, a collection of phrases that we use in certain situations. That's a very, very simple, maybe too simple description. But um, yeah, you don't need to look at the grammar of something to learn it. Just look yeah. at the whole thing and see where you would use it what, when it's appropriate, right? The chunks, I, yeah, yeah, chunks, chunks of language. Mm -hmm. Much more effective way of of learning, and it gives you a much more natural um, way of learning. If you learn a phrase like, you know, could you open the door, please? It's much more effective than learning the modal could and how to form a question, exactly, and then somehow arriving at the conclusion that could you open the door, please, is the correct sentence because mm -hmm. you could end up with all sorts of crazy sentences like, <laughs> may you make the door open or whatever, yeah. Um, learning in natural phrases. Um, mm -hmm. So Mike Lewis, uh, before he started developing this technique, he wrote a book called The English Verb. Have you have you read it? I haven't. But I've read oh, the, 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 what's it called? The lexical, the lexical approach mm -hmm. or what's, what's, the lexical what's the main approach book? Or lexical learning? I can't remember. I can't He's remember what the main books. book is called, but I used to, yeah. <laughs> I, I used it once I've during it my <laughs> del Delta. Uh, I used it for one of my Delta essays. Yeah. It's a great book. Yeah, I, I I know the one. I have read it, but I can't, yeah, lexical something, blah blah blah. Yeah. It's one of is it's a seminal piece of work, and I can't remember the name, but uh, yeah. But before he read that, he he's done a bunch of stuff, and one book that blew me away was his book on um, lexical, not lexical learning, on the English verb, and he is basically a verb, a book on, I would say hot takes, but um, because he's looking at the way verbs work in such a sort of meta way. Let's look at an example, right? Okay, so the, okay, the, the easiest example to give is uh, looking at the past simple tense, right? Okay. Okay, so we've got the past simple tense, right? What, why do we use the past simple tense? If you ask anyone, what's the first thing they'll say? Is that a question for me? So to, to, uh, yeah. to to talk to describe a past event let's say right this is the classic answer and to be fair this yeah. is the most common use of the the past tense but you know what about sentences like uh well could you open the door please or um yeah he could be here by seven o'clock mm. or i wish i was uh brad pitt or what was your name again or um if we did this nothing would ever happen mm. you know like we, we use the past yeah. tense in all sorts of situations which well, are not about the past well, technically, those are modal verbs used for, let's say, mm -hmm. hypothetical situations or ah. uh, deduction, mm -hmm. um, speculation about the past, future, yep. uh, or present. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, which which example were you thinking of? Because I I just hit you with loads. Well, of you examples. you said you you gave a lot of different examples. So, mm -hmm. um, um, could you open? It could be. Okay. What did you say? It could be yeah. someone. 
I can't uh, remember. I think I said I wish I, I was I wish I was Brad Pitt. Well, that's that's a that's a that's a wish clause. You're talking about the present, so uh, basically a hypothetical hypothetical situation. You are not Brad Pitt. You cannot be Brad Pitt, and that's why we use uh, we use formally we use past tense. Correct, right? Yeah, it's the. But it's not wish, about the yeah. past. No, it's yeah. not. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Could you open the door? Is is could? It's like a kind of it's a past form Re of can, right? It's like a request, yeah. But it's a request, yeah. Um, so, you know, like uh, Michael Lewis, you know, we have this in English learning and teaching all the time. Here is a rule, except for this situation, except <laughs> for this situation, except for there are so many exceptions, right? And yeah. he's saying, like, if there, if the, there are so many exceptions, then this isn't the rule. Mm -hmm. What is the rule? He's trying to find the rule that has no exceptions. So yeah. this is what I like. He goes very, very deep into the English verb. Um, his take, his hot take about this so-called past tense, is that it isn't about the past. It is about distance. It adds mm. distance. So when we use it in the past to talk about the past, yeah, is adding temporal distance. It's adding mm -hmm. a time distance yep. in the past. It's making it further away. Um, but, you know, could you open the door is like spatial, saying... Spatial distance, yeah. Or... Ah, well, <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. Well, you're on the right track, like a spatial distance in terms of like uh, a distance of register, like it's more ah, polite. So like, okay. can you yeah. open the door? Mm -hmm. Could you open the door? Could you be mm -hmm. slightly more polite? You make it past, you're giving a bit more distance and it's more formal. It's more polite, yeah. right? Yeah. So you have this sort of interpersonal distance. Exactly. Um, and the same thing is, uh, is quite similar with what was your name again? You know, you don't say, what's your name again? What was your name again? You're... Yeah. Creating a sort of distance from from um, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess it's a formal, even formal though thing. even though the, we are not really talking about the past at all. Yeah, yeah, that your name still your name, right? Like yeah. <laughs> I'm not thinking it's changed. Uh, yeah, and the classic is you know the hypothetical thing, right? You know, I wish yeah. I was Brad Pitt. If we did this differently, things would be better. Um, and this mm -hmm. is creating a distance of reality. You know, we're distancing yep. ourselves from reality. Um, and yeah, that kind of works, right? When you think about it abstractly mm -hmm. like that, that that covers every every time we use this past tense. Yeah. There you go. Now that's the point, an example of a hot take that, in English. That's very interesting. Now, the question I have is, do you, how can you sell it to students? Because doesn't it sound too... Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you wrap it? How do you wrap it yeah. so, that, so that students find it easy to digest? Because... You know, sometimes you have to go, when, especially when working with beginners, you have to go for what's called pedagogical simplification. You just have to make things simple. Yeah. So you, you tell your students, uh, <laughs> don't use if and will in one clause. Well, we both know that there are cases where you can do that. There are, yeah? Yeah, but, but generally but, speaking... But you, you, te you tell it to your students because mm -hmm. you want to make things simple and easy to follow, easy to understand. You, you want to make logic out of the language. Absolutely, yeah. So and you that's, don't wanna... that's, that's, that's mm -hmm. my like, uh, um, yeah, counter-argument, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, you don't want to over like, com complicate things either. And paradoxically, this could making it simpler like this can actually make it more complicated yeah yeah you have to choose you know your students better than anyone else right every teacher knows their students better than anyone else you need to like decide when and if to make that call um mm. 
I mean, I think there's nothing particularly wrong, especially at lower levels, um, to to say this is a rule and introduce yeah. exceptions later. I I don't. I think I might disagree on Michael Lewis, um, in the sense that you know he says you shouldn't do that. It 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 misleads students, and I think people are quite intelligent. You know, most people like they mm -hmm. they can accept exceptions and they can accept ambiguities and things like that. But you know, sometimes you have like a high level student. And I've I've had situations where I've explained this stuff to them and it made a lot of things make sense for them. But yeah. a higher level student and one who's prepared to think abstractly about grammar. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the student. It's, yeah, you, as a teacher, you have to decide yourself yeah, what's you have appropriate. To, you, have, you have to make some decisions. And I think what's also involved in this is the, shall I call it, uh, tradition or... Tra traditional way of doing things because mm -hmm. uh, it's like the whole industry or or let's say all the course books are designed in a certain way and it's always difficult to just change things you know like even he came with this cool idea it's very popular like um they talk about it delta the delta tutors the you know the academics but uh, then another th another thing is to start implementing it so i know there is this mm -hmm. guy Hugh Deller i think Oh, Hugh a big Deller. fan of Hugh. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. He, he's the he's the big one of the biggest names now. Who uh, I think he wrote a course book, which is uh, entirely teaching based lexically. on teaching lexically. Mm. So, it's the Delta Publishing, I think. Yeah. So it is possible, but again, it's still it's still kind of niche. Like I, when I the last time I worked uh, for a language school was in London, and I don't remember us having that book there at disposal. Uh, mm -hmm. It's always new English file, English file, which, in my humble opinion, are the best books on the market. Yeah, I don't mm -hmm. always teach using course books. Actually, these days I don't use them at all. I prefer the dogma method. Uh, okay, just, yeah, yeah, I'm a big yeah. fan of dogma too. Yeah, Scott Thornbury and Luke Medding's thing. Yeah, yeah. But what I, my point, I guess, is that it's difficult. Like when you come up with something like this, which mm -hmm. is a bit different or um, gives you a different kind of perspective or different looks at things from a different angle, it's mm -hmm. difficult to implement it because of of the the, the, the the general perception or the general standards or the traditions. And then just how do you break through mm -hmm. that? You know, so. That's really interesting. Yeah, I guess so, because it's not just, you know, it may also be the institution you're working at. They, they might have strict regulations about what you can and can't do, but not just that, like expectations of the students. Exactly, um, exactly. Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah, I mean, you just have to, it, it, I guess if you've got the same students for a prolonged period of time, then sure, you can just get them to get used to this yeah. way of doing things if you think it's going to be more efficient uh, in the long run. You need to make um, them trust you. Once once they trust mm -hmm. you, you, you can do almost anything. Yeah. But, well, mm -hmm. I remember having students there who would just... Because, uh, I have to be honest, as a non-native English teacher, I've always been into grammar. I always liked uh, mm. to understand how, how, how grammar yeah. works, yeah? But yeah. but the, the more I teach, the less... The, the, the more I realize that it's not the most important thing at all. Yeah. But there were, what I want to say is that um, when I was working for Speak Up London... There were some students who who really appreciated the fact that I knew so much about grammar, and they kind of expected me to explain things and to look at everything from the grammatical point of view, which now I don't necessarily think is the best approach. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's it's kind of uh, funny how your yeah. views can even shift like that. Yeah.
Yeah, I, I kind of like that about being a teacher yeah. for this long, that the, mm-hmm. going all over the place. I love grammar a lot. It's not very cool at the moment in the teaching world to, no. to be focused. But I understand why, because too many learners still think grammar is the, the path to, to successful language learning. And it, it, it it's, it's a small part of the path. Like most people, yeah. yeah, most people need to kind of be pulled away from it uh, because they need to start focusing on things like vocabulary chunks and things like that. Chunks of language. Collocations. Collocations. And yeah, phrasal le- verbs. Yeah, yeah, uh, lexical grammar, think, all this I'm, stuff. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of a sucker for even idioms, but I actually, again, mm-hmm. I have shifted my views on this. I think it's they are overrated a little bit, mm-hmm. but I like them anyway, and they kind of belong hmm. to that category of chunks. So yeah, yeah, I think there's more. Yeah, you can you can justify introducing more idioms into the, your language lessons than more grammar at the moment. Hmm? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because. Again, the focus is still among students. Most of the most of the ELT world, even the course book writers, have started realizing that grammar. Well, started realizing. One of us are well aware of, of yeah. this. You know, we all know it, and the industry has also is also catching up on that. Um, but a lot of students' expectations are still are very much rooted in grammar, and I guess that's the thing that is a big challenge. Still, you know, we still need to try yeah. and bring the emphasis to to other things. Yeah, it's dif- difficult to to break all these stereotypes and uh, mm-hmm. once once yeah. people think in a certain way, how do you how do you change that? You know, it's so it's yeah. so tough. Even even if you if you prove it, if you prove it, like academically, you prove it. Yeah, there is research done into this, and still you can't change people's people's <laughs> minds. Eddie's, it's the, if any we, we know in like a post twenty sixteen world is that research and facts don't convince people anything i often go on this pod, I, on this podcast i often go on on a rant regarding native speakerism as well oh and, god uh, things Please like that it. yeah I'm, so it's it's the I'm same like people have yeah people have certain stereotypes they believe in something like for example that native speaker teachers should be always paid more or they should they are more valuable whatever it is and then it's 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 impossible to get it out of people's heads, no matter mm-hmm. what you do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that it's that's just such another, a struggle. Yeah, I'm giving you another example. I don't want to go into that here. <laughs> no, but, and fair enough. It's yeah. not an example I come across myself, right? Because being a native speaker, I don't have this issue. But it's such a problem with the industry um, yeah. at the but, moment. I, yeah, the stuff you see. That people you say are only that. asking for native teachers. Yeah, exactly. But you say that, but the, even native teachers struggle because of there's maybe I don't know. It could be racism. They could be that they are mm-hmm. uh, not British. Uh, they, sorry, they they don't they don't have the standard British accent. Yeah. Let's say they have yeah. Scottish accent or or Northern mm-hmm. Irish accent. Mm-hmm. And I think they go through they go through similar yeah. struggles, yeah. So it's not even we can't even say it's native speakers versus non-native speakers. Okay. It's such a complex. I'll, it's such I'll a rephrase. Complex... I don't have this problem as a, a white male, yeah. <laughs> yeah. posh British English speaker. I have none of these pro- like middle problems. aged, yeah. you know, or or middle I don't age. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have no, to say I'm, all these I things, you know, so because it's... Yeah, 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 and. I, I'm probably at the most privileged category of, of any any teacher out there. So, but I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. You see some crazy stuff out there with about the discrimination against native teachers being paid less, not even getting jobs. Um, yeah. And you see lots of 
absolutely incompetent native teacher, native speakers becoming teachers and doing a terrible job, but keeping their jobs because where are they, just simply where they're from. Yeah. And in the same breath, there are a lot of incompetent non-native teachers. Yeah. I'm not, I've, I've never, I've never denied that. Like when you see yeah, that, some that's of That's not an issue at the moment, I think. It's, <laughs> it's not, not, right? It's not but you know what I mean? Is. Like I also get that point too, but mm -hmm. it's, it's mm -hmm. just... Uh, Convincing people that it shouldn't judge you based on your passport, skin color, so it's just so difficult to break all these stereotypes mm -hmm. that people have. Why yeah. are people not more open-minded, for Christ's sake, Gabriel? No, it's, <laughs> it's not that hard, right? No. Yeah, especially these days. The world's changing so quickly all the time. Like, this isn't a big leap, big, big jump. But yeah, it, it is. So, like in in Czech Republic, what's the situation like? Is it is it quite bad in in this in this like in these times? Well, there is another aspect that once you like, if I were to teach only because I don't necessarily enjoy teaching Czech students. Yeah, I like to work with a mix of students, international mm -hmm. students. That's that's where I'm where I'm the most comfortable at. So uh, I think if you are an English teacher in the Czech Republic and you only teach Czech people uh you are fine yeah <laughs> i think you are fine uh, the, the mm. problem the, but when you try to go when you try to find your own clients online or or start a podcast or a youtube mm -hmm. channel mm -hmm. uh i just i just realized i didn't want to talk about this here but no you should uh, be able to talk about this, this is an important it's just topic. it's just it's just i feel like there's this it's it's i i, I just I've, i find it harder to make it just mm. because just because that person is less likely but that that's the same. The racism works in exactly the same way. So if you mm. if you are if you are let's say black or or of a minority and and you find it harder to 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 get a job, it's mm. exactly the same. You know. Mm -hmm. So I often make these comparisons, or I don't know. Let's say if you are from the LGBT community, same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you struggle more, and it's just yeah. it just bother, bothers me. I think we should all be equal. We should have equal opportunities. And no, mm. it shouldn't be like that. But uh, it's difficult to change people's minds, you know. It is evidently, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. I wish there was a simple way to to solve this issue. I guess the best thing is to just keep talking about it until people see the light. <laughs> no, <laughs> hopefully they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That, yeah, we are not trying to preach here or anything, listeners. By the way, it's just I'm ranting. I'm ranting. Oh, it makes me angry. I'm... It pisses me off on a human level, personally. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure mm -hmm. Gabriel might might have uh, his own uh, it pisses me off things too. that yeah. piss him off. Maybe something else. Yeah, we are just humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a, it's a serious issue. I I think it should be talked about. Yeah, but it's yeah. like other things in society, like racism. It's not just this, right? It's just one. Oh yeah, sure. But this is where where we are with our professions. So we need to address it within our immediate environment. Yeah. Thank Thank you, Gabriel, for for uh, having these views. By the way, I, I really well, appreciate it. <laughs> it's, it's. I don't think I can help having these views. <laughs> I think it's just how I feel about the situation. But appreciated. Yeah. 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 So, um, Greece's maxims. Um, I remember, yeah, I vaguely Grice, Grice. remember. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Maxims. Yeah, yeah. Grice. Okay. I vaguely remember studying about this at university. Mm -hmm. I may have mm -hmm. had it in one of my um, courses, but I don't. Is it about how how we should communicate or something like that? Yes, Grice's maxims. Um, I wouldn't say it's about how we should communicate. You know, he's he's a linguist. He's not. A prescriptivist he's not telling people how to behave he is mm. describing how we communicate right so it's, it's very a 
objective stuff. Um, yeah, shall I shall I describe the maxims? Yeah, sure. Okay, Go for okay. It. Um, one of I do have a podcast episode on this, one of the very first ones, but um, I'll try and do this very quickly. So Grice has something called the cooperative principle. So the cooperative mm -hmm. principle is basically whenever we're communicating, like today, we're, we're having a chat and we're talking, and that um, what we're trying to say, we're trying, let me rephrase that, that communication is flowing between us, right? This is our kind of main aim, that we understand each other and we make mm -hmm. things as clear as we can when we're communicating with each other, right? This is how most people communicate. And that's kind of the main operative principle of a conversation or any sort of communication between more than one person. Okay, yeah. so far, so good. So the cooperative principle, that's that's the thing that makes us do this. Um, and uh, within the cooperative principle, there are five maxims that Grice um, identifies that we uh, follow in order yeah. to keep ourselves following the cooperative principles mean, means that we can basically understand each other, right? Mm -hmm. uh, God, I'm going to forget these, aren't I? So there's the, <laughs> there's the maxim of quantity. So this is like, I don't give you too much information and I don't withhold information. I give you the right amount of information for you for us to be able to understand each other, right? Yeah. There's a maximum of quality. Uh, that's uh, basically how true something is. I give you information that I believe to be true, right? I don't give you. I don't lie directly, and I don't um, talk about stuff I don't really know is true. That's if I'm following these fake maxims, news. Right? Fake news is out of the question. Yeah, well, the maxims are very interesting in this day and age because of the way the internet's working. We can look at the internet through the maxims in a very, it'll reveal a lot about how people like communicate online. Okay, let's see if I can remember the others. The maxim of relevance, that what I, what I, what you say something, then I say something, and that's relevant to what we were just talking about. Yeah. So that's uh, that. Uh, the maxim of like, basically, it's a maxim of like comprehensibility. Like, I, mm -hmm. I give, I, I respond with words. I don't go, yep. like, you know, <laughs> I, it's comprehensive. Yeah. And I bet I'm going to forget the fifth maxim. Well, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. You, you, I think you gave idea. us a really good idea of what this okay. is. So, so as so I that, understand mm -hmm. it, these are some principles that you should follow in order to be effective when yes, you communicate I, with someone, right? Or Yes, but I would avoid that word should because should implies ah. that it's like a guide or something. It's ah, not okay. anything like that. It's basically when we communicate well, these these maxims are functioning well. We mm -hmm. we see that happening when this happens. Yeah. Okay, so far so good, right? Lovely. So the cooperative principle is intact when the maxims are followed. When but when we communicate, it, it goes a step further. And this is where it gets really interesting. When we communicate, uh. we 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 don't follow these maxims very often. And there are two ways you can not follow the maxim. One is like completely breaking the principle, the maxim. And if you're doing that, you're breaking the cooperative principle. So mm. you're sabotaging the communication, whether deliberately or not, right? Okay. Um, this happens a lot. You know, when people are nervous, they give too much information and they start breaking the maximum of quantity, right? Right, 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 like, right. Calm down, calm down. Just like say it slowly, you know, for example. Um, but we can also flout the maxims, and we mm -hmm. do this regularly uh, to make jokes, to be ironic, to to be playful with our language. All the really interesting stuff that happens with language, 
yeah. happens when we're flouting the, the maxims. We're not, we, the cooperative principle is intact. You know, for example, okay, you say, um, um, I know, like I've just come back, uh, you see me and I've had my hair cut, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, wow, cool. Hey, you got your hair cut. And I could say something like, no, I got in a fight with a rhino, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I'm just, being sarcastic, yeah. right? It's like, duh. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, duh. But I'm definitely not following the maxim of uh, quantity there. This is not true, right? But you know that, and I know yeah. that. And the cooperative principle is still intact. So there's flouting mm-hmm. and there's breaking the maxims. And when you can distinguish that, you know whether communication is working or not. Yeah, basically that's it. So we are basically talking about sarcasm, irony, and yeah, all these things as well. It's all combined. as well, like yeah. sim- even just simple everyday communication. Like um, I know you, you're in your house with your partner, and somebody rings the doorbell, and you say, "Oh, there's someone at the door," and your partner says, "Like, oh, I'm in the bath." All right, that's which, like which, not which relevant. Means, uh, Right? Which means I'm not going to open the door. You you should do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's a completely clear piece of communication. The cooperative principle is completely intact. It's unsurprising. It's even unremarkable, really. This isn't a strange yeah. like thing to say, but it doesn't follow the maxim. Absolutely. That's, and yeah, it's about it's also about understatements and basically it I think it's really mm. important to understand this. Like you might not um, you might not know all these terms, of course. It sounds very abstract and academic and whatnot. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but act- actually, in reality, if you follow these principles, you will be more effective when it comes to, as you say, cooperation, communication, and mm-hmm. when it comes to specifically British people. Uh, I think it's like there's another level because you tend to be very indirect, right? right. Um, mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that comes into play as well here. Yeah, I think looking, like not thinking about following the principles, but seeing how the principles are flouted is probably, could be as a learner, this could be a useful way for a learner to um, like start to understand so-called native speakers. Um yeah. If, if that really is your goal. Most learners don't actually have that goal. But if that is indeed your goal, um, to be able to sit in a pub with some British people, for example, um, <laughs> and understand what the hell they're talking about, if something seems weird and you don't understand what's going on, probably the maxims are being flouted hmm. and you are losing the cooperative principle yeah. somehow. Yeah. And this, this is also like when you say native speaker, but I think there's a massive difference between a native speaker from the UK, native speaker from the US, and the native speaker from, I don't know, South Africa. You know? So oh, yeah, I'd go further yeah. than that. I'd say there's a yeah. difference between a native speaker from a working class native speaker from Bristol yeah. and a middle class yeah. working native speaker from like Birmingham, which is just like <laughs> a, a 50 kilometers away. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really really cool. So Everyone's if, if different. Mm-hmm. sorry, yeah. <laughs> so if 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 uh, my listeners want to know more about this, you said you you have recorded an episode on this. Yes, so what... we got an episode on Grice's maxims. Yeah, okay. it's very long and in depth. So if you're really into it, like yeah, it's a deep dive. And you say it's one of the earliest episodes. So uh, just scroll down through uh, Gabriel's episodes once you uh, subscribe to the Clark and Miller uh, English podcast. Yeah, yeah. it's a red one. We have red episodes. Usually it's blue. We have red ones. Red ones are more about linguistics, language, and teacher okay. stuff. 
yeah. Okay, so it's not like a red flag episode or something. <laughs> well, it's a red flag in the sense that it's like this. This is a bit challenging. But if you're inter inter interested in that, yeah. It's or it's not nothing like certificate eighteen or something like that. No. No, I think I think I've sworn more on this than I have on all of my podcast episodes. <laughs> Like just in this last hour, <laughs> I think I've done more swearing than I have in the last 20, 30 episodes of the nice one. podcast. Yeah. Brilliant. So uh, uh, you also said to me that uh, you have written mm. an article on endonyms and exonyms. Uh, so yeah. I, uh, um, I, to be honest with you, I, I probably did this at, at university, but uh, all I can remember is synonyms, antonyms, uh, and uh, homonyms and homophones. <laughs> you know? Um, I'm just just bringing it up because I, I wrote it for uh, languageonlineservices.com. It's another website. I didn't do it for my own website. But yeah, um, were you, what was the question? I was just uh, what are they? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's quite simple. Yeah, uh, endonyms and exonyms. I didn't really know about them either until I did the research for the article. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, they're quite interesting um, names for. Uh, okay, so what is the Czech Republic in Czech? It's Czechia, right? You say Czechia for uh, to when you name your country in your own language. No, uh, it, it, it uh? was always the Czech Republic. But about uh, four years ago, was it five years ago? I can't remember. The politicians decided that it would be better for business if the if the country's name was simplified. There was no referendum. They didn't ask the people. Everybody hated that. So oh, really? nobody really in the Czech Republic, mm. nobody really uses that English term Czechia. Some people, I say nobody, some people might, oh, okay. but it takes a long time for people to get used to it because it's just something that polit the politicians decided to do. You know how mm. it is sometimes when politicians yeah. decide without asking you for your opinion, people don't really uh, take kindly to that. So mm. <laughs> it's interesting with Czechia. It's, it's, not, okay, it's not really so very popular here, yeah. This is quite an interesting example. So it's not going to be a very clear example. So I'm going to give you a clear example first. Uh, like Deutschland, okay? Yeah. This word Deutschland. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, this isn't English. This is German, right? Yep. And this is the word for Germany that the Germans use in Germany. So this is an endonym. It's what these people call themselves, right? right. Or the, mm -hmm. the name of their country in this case. Yeah. Um, Whereas, you know, Nemtsi or Almania or Germania, there are lots of other words for Germany, mm -hmm. depending on where you're from. Uh, and these are exonyms, right? So th this is uh, the name given to a group of people by not those people. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Do you know what? I just, I just realized that it's actually like endo. It's like, if I think of more words which start with this, this prefix, I think it's a Latinate mm. prefix that means like inside and exo mm. out is outside, like exodus. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, Exoskeleton. Be, yeah, yeah. So it must be yeah. where it comes from. Actually. I think it's it. Yeah, yeah. You have the exterior, exo, and then the mm. endo, which must be interior. Yeah, it's yeah. Inside or in and something like that. Yeah, something like that, I guess. I didn't check. <laughs> yeah. So Czechia is an interesting example because this is... Uh, a mandated endonym. Uh, the government have mandated that the endonym is now Czechia, but I think they were also asking the rest of the world to call them Czechia too, right? This was like well, a request. No, you can the see, like, they, 
Please call us Czechia now. Stop calling us the Czech Republic. Is that I think what the, they did? I think the idea was that it would be better for like uh, international politics and for business, international business. I think because mm -hmm. like you can see that it's, this this term is now used uh, on websites like I don't know Amazon or you know it just it just makes things easier. It's it's a shorter uh, name. So, so other people yeah. other people did start using it, right? I think they will eventually. Like Amazon, for example, yeah. No, no, absolutely. I, mean, I, think I, I yeah. started using it because I thought that's what the people of Czech Czech Republic wanted. I'm getting a uh, new information now, so maybe I should go back to calling it Czech Republic. I, I don't, don't know. To be honest, I'm not that bothered myself. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, but a lot of people were sure. were kind of enraged about that. So I don't mm. know. Like, I, I'm okay. Yes, I mean it's an interesting example now because mm. is this an exonym? Is it an endonym? For some people, it's an exonym. For some people, it's an endonym. For some people, it's neither. It doesn't exist. Um, yeah, and this happens sometimes. You know, like Iran used to be called Persia until one yep. of the shahs publicly requested that the world change the name to Iran. Mm -hmm. And they, everyone was just agreed. Everyone said, okay, fine, you're Iran now. Yep. We don't mind. Um, so that was like an, another mandated uh, endonym and exonym. Mm -hmm. And it was successful because uh, everyone went for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. But the more you look into, I mean, like some of the endonyms and exonyms can get very political as well. Like uh, you can enter some really strange territory. Like a, a very potent example would be like the Roma and the Roma people, right? Mm -hmm. Who are often referred to as gypsies, yeah. right? But this is this is an exonym that is also a sort of um, uh, like demo, like uh, discriminatory sort of exonym, right? People who yeah. use that yeah. word tend to be discriminating against them. Um, did you know it came? I I didn't know this until I researched this article. Uh, this word gypsy comes from uh, Egypt. The word Egypt, um, ah, because a lot. Yeah, it sounds right, doesn't it? And mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of people mistakenly mistakenly thought uh, Roma came from Egypt, which isn't oh, okay. true. Um, <laughs> because something to do with the Old Testament Bible or something like that. Mm -hmm. That was their source material there. Um, and uh, yeah, that, I thought that was quite interesting. But yeah, obviously, like what exonyms, whether to use an exonym or whether to use an endonym can be tricky, right? You need to yeah. choose the right words sometimes. Otherwise, it can be quite offensive. No, um, yeah, you're, you're making a good point because obviously yeah. words can change their meaning, especially these, uh, let's say, proper nouns. That refer mm -hmm. to a nation and then when something happens historically or just there's some sort of oppression discrimination mm -hmm. uh, then the, the name there is we need to use the word connotation it changes its connotative meaning this its yeah. connotation is different so we could we don't have to go far it's the let's say the n-word used to be okay one hundreds years ago mm -hmm. Uh, but obviously now it's considered the most offensive word. That's a very potent exonym. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, mm. it's it's just is really um, it's a it's like a living organism. It 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 mm. uh, uh, goes through changes and develops all the time. Yeah. Yeah. One more interesting thing about that too, as well. I mean, yeah, that's true. Where we see discrimination with exonyms and endonyms all the time. But there's a little quirky thing. Uh, what's the name of your hometown? Podjebrady. Uh, Podjebrady. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And in other languages, it's the same, right? Podjebrady. Has to be. Like, it's too too small for it to have a small. You know. Okay. You're, you're two steps name. ahead of me. Yeah. yeah. You're two steps ahead of me, right? So, but like um, Prague has different names depending on where, like, which language you're using, right? Because that's right. 
it's important um so if your if your hometown has an exonym or lots of exonyms in other languages it probably means it's important and it has some sort of geopolitical yeah. or historical significance um interestingly Reykjavik uh, there are a bunch of uh, capital cities that don't have exonyms in okay. English like Reykjavik or uh ooh, I can't remember any of the others but um it seems that it's possible that these cities were not very important historically. We never gave them a, an anglicized name. Could it also be because because these the, the could it be about the, how difficult it was to pronounce those names? Because let's say if, yeah. if the name is easy to pronounce, there might not have been a need for it, right? That's true. Yeah, like Paris. Although Paris is a little bit and there's, a, there's <laughs> yeah. another story with that yeah. one. But generally speaking, like, okay, Oslo, like. That's easy to pronounce in almost every language, right? So exactly. I guess Oslo is Oslo in more or less every language, yeah. even though but it has historic. Then importance. you could also talk about how far do you go with the change? Because it could be the change. The change could be just in terms of pronunciation, but it mm -hmm. could also be the spelling. Yeah. So mm -hmm. in the case of Prague, it's both pronunciation and spelling. Mm -hmm. But maybe mm -hmm. with Oslo, this is how you spell it in Norwegian. I. I presume I could be wrong. I presume so. Yeah, yeah. But if not, if not, there would we would be able to find other examples of this. Mm -hmm. But then it's possible that I don't know. Do do Norwegians pronounce it in the same way as uh, the Brits question. do? Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. Maybe it's pronounced like Islu or something. I don't know. Yeah, I have no Norwegian friends to check this with. <laughs> well, if you have some Norwegians, yeah. Norwegian listeners listening to this, please let mm -hmm. us know. Yeah. I'd like to know if how Oslo is pronounced, actually. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> but yeah, nice. good question. Is it an endonym or an exonym um, when the pronunciation changes? Yeah, there's, I guess the line can move depending on how you're analyzing it. Yeah. I love it. So if the listeners want to find out more about this, again, uh, Gabriel is the man. So you wrote an article about it. So where, can can they find okay, so the this article is, on yeah, your, this on your article, blog? It's not mine. No, I wrote this for um, languageonlineservices.com. Uh, you can find it on that website, languageonlineservices.com. Um, I've written quite a lot of articles. Uh, I seem to be the NIM guy for those guys. Um, the NIM guy, uh, I, I've done like a, like endonyms, meronyms, antonyms, like various NIMs. Uh, there are a whole bunch of articles. I think I've written about 20 articles on NIMs. Uh, so languageonlineservices.com, you can find it there. Nice one. Brilliant. Um, one more thing you said mm -hmm. uh, that you uh, are interested in grammar in an abstract way. So mm -hmm. I think we have kind of already talked yeah. about, I think, yeah. I think we, yeah, it's, it. I think it's obvious by now what you mean by that. Yeah. yeah. If you want another example of that, I'm going to plug my YouTube channel. The last video I put up was called uh, God's Tense. Um, it isn't God is tense. It's God's <laughs> tense, like the, the tense that belongs to God. Um, oh. And that's, it's, again, it's adapted from the Mike Lewis book, but it's about the present simple, why the present simple is God's tense. Uh, so Can I have yeah, a guess? check that out. Yeah, Can I guess. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, but we, don't, we don't want to spoil your video. I'm just going to make an educated guess here. Okay. Well, it's, it's used to talk about all sorts of different time periods. Yeah? So mm -hmm. it could be used to talk about the future, the mm -hmm. past, and the mm -hmm. present. So this is my, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the word for it? Guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm not going to confirm or deny <laughs> whether you're right. You'll have to go and check out the video. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> 
uh, it's been brilliant to uh, to talk to you, yeah, uh, Gabriel. So uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this a lot. Actually, it was really cool. Really cool. Likewise. Topics. Yeah. 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 And yeah, exactly. The great choice of topics, uh, very varied as well. Yeah. Thanks so bit, much, Danik. Yeah. You were welcome. A little bit geeky at times, but yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed myself. Hopefully. Me too. <laughs> so, so, so did the listeners. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, that was going to say. Yeah, I hope the listeners got something out of it too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks again, man. Thanks so much for having yeah. me on. Really appreciate. it. You're very it. welcome, and good luck with your podcast. And um, yeah, yeah. Let's keep in thanks touch. Thanks a lot. Yeah, let's keep in touch. I'll see you whenever I see you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> bye, everyone. Cool. Cheers. Bye, bye, everyone. Cheers. Thanks a lot for listening. For more information, go to Zdenix English Podcast Facebook group. Or visit zdenexenglishpodcast.podbean.com. Listening to podcasts can help you with your listening skills. If you wish to work on your speaking skills, join my brand new Discord group called Learn English Online. You will find the invite link on my website, teachesdenek.com, zep section 1-1.